Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 11. So I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. And happy Eid Mubarak for the Islamic folks out there. Thanks, John. We're recording on Eid. And Cal, do you want to tell our listeners what that is? Yeah, so we have a three-day celebration after the month of Ramadan. It's a month of fasting. It's a very religious and holy month for Muslims around the world where people would fast for 30 days. Obviously, they would fast during the day and break their fast after sunset. So it's time to reflect on what they're doing, trying to do good. And it's kind of a detoxing month, if you like, and think of how others might be struggling and hopefully reflect on that for the rest of the year where they can keep on giving. Today is the first day of Eid at the time of recording this. So I uh, appreciate it, John. Awesome, man. I really like that. That's a really cool perspective for anyone, really. So today we're going to talk about leverage. And what makes this topic interesting is that it's a tool you can use in your toolkit that can help you focus your long-term vision and maybe at a multiple, at a percent that could make it more powerful when you believe the opportunity is right. And it's good because although it's a little bit more advanced, it is useful in the case of once you know the fundamentals. So episodes one to 10, we would say are the fundamentals of getting into investing. The future episodes are going to be focused on what's a little bit more advanced, what else is there. So Cal, do you have a definition you like to use for leverage? And what are your thoughts on that? We actually use leverage in our daily lives. And it's something that is very, very powerful if used right. And I definitely encourage those who have access to it to use it. But then again, it's a double-edged sword. So as helpful as it can be, it can be very dangerous if not managed correctly. So, for example, just to start with something simple we know every day. Now, leverage could be something as simple as you wanting to go buy a house. Now, let's say the house you're looking at is about $500,000, okay? Now, you might not have $500,000 sitting in the bank just to buy that house. Most people don't. So what they do is they go to the bank and they would borrow the money to be able to buy an asset that is worth a lot more than what they have in capital, where the bank would take some sort of amount as a down payment, perhaps, and would lend the money and have the house as collateral against the loan. So they would leverage that. You're leveraging the value there to be able to buy an asset that's a lot more than what you have in the bank. And then you'd be paying those installments. And obviously, the hope is that the value of the property goes up over the years. But regardless, it's the ability to purchase something beyond the amount that you actually have in your account. So you have a certain amount and you'd be able to buy using multiples of that amount by borrowing it. Also, it's the thing with credit cards, right? So borrowing some money to pay your day-to-day -day expenses, but you might not necessarily have that money on hand right away. Again, it could be very powerful and very dangerous at the same time. Yeah. I like to think of leverage as 
getting access to something under special conditions that would not be present otherwise. So although it's typically considered with money, it could be opportunity, friends, family, networking. You can broaden the scope of it. And if you want to use it in the traditional sense, I like to use money because we talked about money as fuel. And I would argue that leverage is fuel as well, just more expensive because with money, you make a dollar, you spend a dollar, you can spend the value of a dollar or buy the value of a dollar. That's a one-to-one ratio, like a cost-to-use ratio. But I would argue with leverage, there's an incremental cost. So if you're going to bet on something with leverage, so bet that the quality of your life will improve because you're getting a home you like, right? It doesn't have to be tangible or it could be monetary. So I'm going to spend $1,000 on tuition to better myself because my career prospects will be better or I'm going to take a cooking class. And there's a cost to leverage because if you're taking a loan, what happens is instead of a one-to-one ratio, you might be one to 1.2. So 20% is probably on the upper scale of most credit cards. I know some have 0% promo offers, and I would argue it could be opportunistic. So I've seen in Canada, 0% for 12 months on your credit line, boom. You can really, really use that leverage to your advantage. So that's how I like to think of that. And I would say any debts leverage. So anytime you're borrowing money, it could be a friend spotting you $5. That's leverage as well, because although it's not maybe as rigid and the agreements are kind of loose or non-existent repayment terms, maybe the friend doesn't need the five, but you're eventually going to burn through their goodwill. So if you're that person who always borrows $5, maybe they'll confront you and say, hey, you know what? Stop borrowing my money. So I would say that why do I try and broaden the scope? Because it really helps you understand that it's not just this technical term. It's stuff like Cal said, people use every day. So university is a good example. You're going to leverage learning to better yourself. And the opportunity is unique to people in maybe North America. Maybe the percent of university students here is higher than some other emerging markets, some other countries, as it's called. We leverage our quality of life. We leverage the people we know. We leverage our parents helping us grow through life and people who advise us. So I want you to think of that in this episode, that it's not just an abstract term. It's something that is A, useful, and B, all around us all the time. So with that said, Cal, do you have any more examples of leverage that you like to talk about? Yeah, that's a very good point that I mentioned, John. I really like the way you put it. And you're right, we use leverage in many, many aspects in our lives. Again, just because I refer to them in monetary terms, that's not the only way we're using leverage. But for the sake of sticking to that, this example that I have is maybe you have a credit card and you want to use that leverage. Now, the advantage of that is people think that if I have the cash, I would spend that money instead of borrowing it. And here's what I think is where if you can use leverage wisely, it can help you actually contribute to the growth of your wealth, right? So... The point is when you use leverage, you're able to take a certain amount of money that you believe that if you invest it into yourself or into the business, into your investments, get an outcome that would be more fruitful, that you'd be able to 
outweigh the interest costs of using the leverage. So by borrowing this money, obviously it's not for free. You'll be paying some sort of interest in some way or the other. So you believe that if I borrow this money, whatever I end up doing, let's say putting it towards my education so I can go to school and then finish and work in a field where I can pay my debt and hopefully the job I get would outweigh the cost of the interest that I borrowed. So that's, again, a form of leveraging that you feel that you're investing towards something that would hopefully pay you in multiples towards that loan. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When I think of leverage, leverage is fantastic on appreciating assets. So this is how businesses grow. They'll invest capital. And when you don't have enough capital, maybe it's a larger project. So you'll bring in investors or you'll raise money, you'll raise equity, you'll raise debt. The goal is to have a project time horizon. It could be two, three years where you're going to outgrow the cost of the leverage so that the net benefit is way larger. And a good way to think of leverage is to think of the downside. So I think there's a stat of a lot of Canadians, or maybe it's US or Canada, have credit card debt. Back to that paycheck to paycheck scenario. People, maybe it's not that they're good or bad. They may get short-sighted and say, oh, I've got access to money. Let me spend it. And where that gets dangerous is you may spend it on things that depreciate. We've talked about that. If they do or they're hard to sell, they depreciate like cars, that leverage becomes a compounding factor to the downside. So you're going to lose money at a faster rate than you even have in the bank. So your ability to repay that leverage gets tight. And if you think about those concepts like how can you recapitalize? Do you have free cash flows? Are you saving money? Your ability to repay those credit cards. If that ability to repay is low because your income is not growing, you don't have multiple sources, leverage gets dangerous. It'll depreciate so that your loan to value, as we talked about, is off scale so that you can't just go sell off your asset to go pay off your credit cards. You spent it on food, you spent it on clothes, on stuff that's gone. So that's where leverage gets dangerous. And the conventional wisdom in personal finance is don't use credit cards. But that's something to be cautious about. Right, Cal? Would you agree with that? Absolutely, 100%. Wonderfully put. But then again, I like to use credit cards. I'm the kind of person who manages it very, very well. Every single credit card I had, I could technically pay it off very quickly, very easily even almost at one shot. But having said that, it's just large enough that I can actually use it to my advantage. And I use leverage to almost buy me time where you can do that, but it can be very, very useful. But then again, people would spend it on depreciable assets, on materialism, right? So things that we buy just to get a temporary joy or because, okay, some people might use it because of things they need, like you said, maybe food and pay their bills and etc. But again, it's all about managing that you be able to pay that off and you can help use that to your advantage. So I really like the way you put it. It's a very good point. If you actually put it towards some things where you believe you can get something out of, you can actually use that leverage to grow in terms of wealth, in terms of well-being, in terms of many other aspects. 
Yeah, the goal is to get an outsized return where the benefit outweighs the cost. And like a lot of things, you're making an inference. Everything is easy in hindsight. But like a lot of things in life, you're making your best estimate and best guess that decision is the right decision. So try and think of ways that you've maybe used in the past. It'll help you get your head around that. How I like to think of it is you're basically using that to shave years off your work, your school, advance your career. It could be to build relationships, make money. And I find it's typically effective short to medium term where you're not having to depend on the leverage where it can break and then work against you. So I don't think it's a lottery ticket. You got to be honest with yourself about why you're using it and the scope of that. For example, taking advantage of others, you'll eventually burn through that. So short term, you might think you're smart. Those kind of things catch up with you. So I see the best leverage is there when you need it to cover gaps in your game or when you want to grow in the right direction and then keep it on hand, turn it off when you don't. So ability to use leverage is super powerful, not necessarily using it all the time. And that's why profit-taking, as we talked about, is important because if you're leveraged, you made some money, you can settle down that leverage. It doesn't go away and you can redeploy it in the future. So build up cash, move up the ladder so that you can grow in life and then you're not always living paycheck to paycheck because I remember Cal talking about this, people that could be over leveraged, you make $200,000 a year and you seem to never have money. So that's probably a case of over leverage and you make more, you spend more, you could be running in a cycle of poor financial habits. Here's a good analogy. So think of leverage as we talked about fuel, but like a race car or a rocket ship, you're not always going to max out the race car to the max. You got a nice car at home. Sometimes it's parked in the driveway available for use, but not always redlining. It's not always max power speeding on the highway. And to me, that's a good way of thinking of it because you use it when you want. And that's the powerful aspect of it. Awesome analogies there. Exactly. You know, when you have a vehicle, when you go buy a car and it tells you this car has 300 horsepower, believe it or not, for most people, they might not be aware that that's not what they'll be using all the time. You know, driving, commuting to work and back and running errands, you'd be maybe using 50 horsepower, just cruising on the highway or maybe less in traffic. So so that 300 horsepower only comes at the very peak of the red line when you're really pushing it and pedal to the metal kind of thing. And for the top range of that RPM gauge on your car, that's where you make 300 horsepower for the last three, four seconds before it shifts to the next gear. So you do have access to that power, but you only use it when you need it. When you overtake, because maybe a slow car or whatever the case might be, you have access to that power, but you're not always going to use it. If used wisely, that could be very, very, very powerful. I'm still learning a lot about leverage day by day. And it's even in terms of investing and trading, there's quite a lot of access to that. And for those who start, perhaps maybe I recommend not to use leverage at first to educate themselves, to understand the ins and outs of 
investing before using it because you don't have to use the entire leverage that's available to you. You can use part of it at certain times and then you have access to the rest of it at other times. And there are times maybe it's not suitable to use leverage. You have to gauge it based on is it worth doing it here or there. And it's very, very popular in terms of real estate. You can see people who buy a property, they rent it out, and then they end up having two properties, three properties, five, 10, 20. And they might not have that money in the bank, but what they're doing is using the leverage that's available to them through asset appreciation of their existing assets. And that way, they can be able to expand and get other loans and buy more assets and keep on growing that way. So that's basically a form of using leverage to your advantage. Yeah, I think real estate's the most common example. I have a client who is really into real estate and I remember them telling me something. So it was, you own a home that's your primary residence. And he said something that really stood out. It was, you buy another home a new construction build and it might take a year and a half for that home to be built. What you actually do is you're paying your existing home. You've got the mortgage, that's your leverage, but on your new property, assuming you can pay, I don't know, let's say $50,000 down on the new place, you actually get the appreciation on both. And what he had told me was you eventually sell the other one. I know there's some nuances. Maybe you live in it for a year or this and that, but what I realized was that you can actually get appreciation on two places. So that kind of stood out as a light bulb. There are some smart people who are doing cool things with leverage and it's a way to get ahead if used smartly. Now you said something about, I think used to buy you time. Give an example of how leverage helps you do that. Yes, of course, because let's say you want to buy some property to invest in. Let's say the property you're looking at right now is half a million dollars and you managed to save up, let's say $100,000 up to that point. Now, there are two ways you can do this. Either you keep on saving up and trying to maybe have some side hustles and businesses and, and whatnot to grow that to half a million. And then hopefully by the time you actually have the half a million still priced at that point. Or the second thing is, you can actually try to go and approach and get a loan. Now, if you get approved for that loan, you just save yourself many years or give yourself a head start by managing to get that money available for you to start that property a lot quicker than you would have otherwise. So that's one form of doing it. Obviously, there's a cost to that leverage. It's not for free, but as long as you've done your research and you did the math and you believe that, you can come out of this ahead, then there you go. You just saved yourself a lot of time compared to just trying to do the, the traditional way. A lot of other people also think that maybe loans are bad. Again, yes, they can be bad if not managed properly. But let's go back to investing terms. Now, I prefer using leverage in investing for the short to medium term just because the longer it takes usually the cost of borrowing increases. And the larger that becomes, it becomes more and more difficult for you to try to make a profit or to make enough of an advantage to cover that cost and some. So that's, I think, the best example for it. Yeah, 
I'm pretty sure governments leverage tax dollars to build infrastructure. So railways is the classic example. The interstates in the U.S. to connect states, I think it was in the 40s or 50s. And it's very, very common for governments. So as you scale projects, you're on the size of a government or a country or maybe an emerging business that's really, really booming. Leverage is always used. So understanding it, I believe, is important. And don't be afraid of it. Get to know it and use it to your advantage. I think we'll wrap it up there for today's episode. Hopefully that gives you some fundamentals on that to go do your own research. So I want to thank all of you for tuning in. This is Methodical Millions, episode 11. You can follow future episodes at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, all.